Hi, everybody, and welcome to Access Podcast, the podcast about podcasts. And this week, I talked to somebody I have a, a bit of a man crush on. He's nationally syndicated radio host, author, comedian, and host of the Bobby Cast, Bobby Bones. Which song are you just tired of playing? Um, I'm tired of playing Waiting on the World to Change. Boom! Oh. What did I say? Pay Bobby. up! <laughs> what, that I would have one or that it would be Waiting on the that World? That it would change? be that one. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, I, I've been doing, uh, I've been, I started in radio just like you. I, I grew up in a little town in, in West Virginia, and, and all I ever wanted to do was radio. And uh, I still get nervous before I do an interview with somebody that I, I really respect. Do, do, you, do you get that way, too? I get nervous when it's people that I looked up to as a kid. So if it's someone that maybe isn't even that famous, but if I looked up to them as a kid, I'm always like, wow, this is really cool because I'm able to be that fan again. But I can tell you now, I just feel like everybody's got their own crap. And I get to be friends with some of these people that are, you know, big stars. And they have their own crap, too. And so, yeah, they're a little richer than we are. But I just do feel like that everybody's human, so it makes my interviewing approach that much easier. I will say this, though, that I had Chris Stapleton over at the house. And so Chris Stapleton doesn't do a lot of interviews. Like, he's silent. And so with Chris... It was a little pressure because he was going to do an hour sit down with me. And if I screwed that up, how often does someone get to talk to Chris Stapleton for an hour? Yeah. So I did feel a little pressure with Chris. But other than that, I just try to see everybody as like just humans that have their own crap at the house that they got to deal with. Just a little more money. Oh, my God. I, I've had so much therapy and, and I still can't get to that point. But I. I... <laughs> I wish I, I really respected you could do that. I know we both have a, an affinity for Howard Stern's interviews as well. What what do you like about Stern and what he does with an interview? I think Howard Stern's the greatest radio interviewer that I've ever heard. Amen. Um, because one, he makes people feel so comfortable that they'll say things they won't say in other places. And I think he has the benefit of a couple things. One, space. He has a lot of space to to sit someone down, which is why I like doing the podcast, because I can sit someone down and I put them in a really comfortable chair and we just talk and I can see them relax and I can see them kind of go, okay, okay. And with radio, just in general, it's a little harder to do that because you have maybe 11 minutes, you know, and so there are a few things you want to hit. But with with Stern, he he puts them in in a place where they almost forget they're being interviewed. And they also see Stern as a peer, which is a really cool thing. And so they go in wanting to do a good interview for Stern. And that's always been my goal, too, is to have artists come in and go, I really want to do a good interview, and this isn't just one of the radio tours, like one of the press tours. And so that's been one of the things. And I listen to all Stern's interviews. I just listened to a 2013 interview that Howard Stern did with, with Mark Cuban, and I listened to it like it was brand new today. It was that good and that refreshing to hear. And, you know, Letterman and Stern are my two biggest influences from growing up and doing broadcasting. So, yeah, he's the greatest. I think one of the things that I, I think that makes you successful that I loved about doing radio and one of the reasons I left morning radio and, and went into podcast was that whole idea of like living your life on the air. And it's not always easy to do that, 
But I know there's a lot of that with you and your show and, and your philosophy on radio. Can you talk about that a little bit and like what's, you know, there, there's, some, there's some downsides to that as well, I'm sure, right? I mean, I haven't had one single relationship work because I am determined to keep my life as real as possible. And, you know, I think with success, which has been odd to, to say, but I'm at the point now where I have to kind of embrace the fact that I've been somewhat successful and I can't get on the air and act like I haven't been. And so with that, I feel the need to be even more personal about my personal life. And so it's almost this, I walk myself into a trap every single time with relationships because I get into them and I go, wow, I don't want to be, uh, I don't uh, unrelatable to my audience because they can look on the internet and see the different, you know, success stories, radio show, TV, whatever it is. So I need to be extra personal. And when I do that, it's killed every, well, I guess every single relationship. So uh, it's just something I commit to. And so far, you know, I, it, it has penalized me personally. Uh, but also, I guess I wouldn't have met a lot of these great people in my life if it hadn't been for radio. So I guess I can look at it that way, too. You know, you know my, my, my wife now, I met her. She was a listener. She had sent me an email when I was on the air. And we'd been dating for about two months, and I said something very indiscreet on the air. And she got upset. And, and I, my response to her was, sorry, this is, my, this is what I do. Uh, I'm married to radio first, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then a, a female colleague sat me down and, and said, hey, buddy, you really want this thing to work out? That's probably not the best response that you should have when she gets upset about something. Uh, I'm sure you've had that similar conversation with, uh, with girlfriends over the years. Yeah, and then I get into the habit of, at first, in my earlier morning show days when I was 22, 23, that was it. I was like, I'm committed to being on the air first because I just didn't plan on getting married. But then later, you know, as I became, yeah, it's, the show would get bigger, and I, I, I was doing a lot of other things, and I really didn't have time to do anything but work. The only people I would meet would be people in the industry or artists. or And so that put another stress on the relationship. And, you know, my last couple of relationships, especially the last one, was hurt because she was an artist, and other companies were penalizing her for dating me. And that one really wasn't even my fault. So that, that one kind of sucked because it was a good relationship. Like I finally had one, and then you saw a lot of other places penalizing her because she was dating me. So finally I figured it out, and, you know, as usual, it all comes crumbling down. <laughs> I read about that, and, and, and I read some tr- transcripts from how you handled it on the air, which I thought was just an amazing job. But, man, ra- radio is a lot more cutthroat than I think people realize. And, 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 and I think even country radio, people don't realize how cutthroat that can be. I mean, were you, are you s- still surprised by that sometimes? I'm not surprised because it's like a bunch of 12-year-olds in Nashville. Like the, the country format and the labels and radio, it's like a bunch of kids fighting in the sandbox. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me because it's all stupid. So, as you can see, I'm pretty bitter at the whole thing. But I don't, even me, I don't see country radio as just being on a radio going transmitter to car. Like everything I do, I, I do for the phone. I do for digital. I'm glad it's on the radio. I'm glad it's live. But I do every single thing for digital. And if it's the podcast, if it's the radio show, like I'm just a content provider. And so that's my goal every morning is just provide content that people can download and stream and hopefully listen live. But if we don't look ahead and start building our 
into the world shelters, we're going to get left behind. I tell people radio all this all the time. Like, if you're just doing a radio show and you the only thing is transmitted a car, you can go ahead and put the little life clock on because if you're still alive anyway, you don't have much time left. And you have to start building because, you know, everybody – it seems like people in the podcasting room that everyone has a podcast – because we're already deep inside of it. But they don't. They don't yet. Eely going to mainstream itself in the next three to five years. So I left radio eight, nine years ago. I left a morning show, went and helped start this startup Stitcher, and got into podcasting. And I just came back eight months ago to, to, to take over digital here in iHeart in San Francisco and help with the podcasting strategy. But when I got here, the name I kept hearing was Bobby Bones. And I, I mean, I, I got sick of hearing about you because it was like, well, Bob, Bobby yeah, Cast does this and Bobby Cast does that. But, <laughs> but you know, hearing you talk, I realized, well, this is why. Because you're willing to be honest about, hey, there's a future in this business, and it might not be the way it's, it's been in the past. Oh, it's the and only I don't think a lot of people, and people aren't ready to embrace that. it because one, it's more work, or two, it's unfamiliar. And those are the two things people are lazy and scared. I'm both of them, but I know I'm both of them. So I go ahead and say, all right, so I don't. I'd rather not work, but if I don't work and I don't go ahead and build this platform, this the Bobbycast, for example, if I don't build it now, then when everyone is launching a new podcast, I'm just going to become another one of the new launches. So I want to build and have my base there. I want to start forming it right now, like as early as possible. They always say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So I started the podcast. I used my own money. I have the crappiest equipment still. It's in my house. I mean, it's a terrible room in my house. It sounds terrible. Everything about it is terrible, <laughs> but that's what made it actually seem real and cool. And the fact, and I started with a couple of songwriter friends that, and the Bobbycast as a podcast is like the second layer of Nashville. It's basically songwriters, mostly producers, and sometimes behind the scenes of the radio show. But what happened was, I, I really, it was just a passion project. And for me, even with radio, it was find something you love. Because if you do, you're going to work harder at it. And if you work harder at it, the odds are you'll be more successful at it. I didn't think anybody would listen to this thing, not in mass quantities. And so the fact that it's, you know, it has followers in the seven figures now is shocking to me this early because it's a, pod, it's a podcast with writers and producers. And who wants to listen to that? Apparently a lot of people do. Well, I think it, it speaks back to what it being real content. And I always say that a good podcast creates empathy. And also, it kind of stimulates the same part of the brain as reading a book. And if it's a good story and it's told well, you, you want to sit down and, and, and be involved in it. And I think that's the key to what you do and, and, and your approach to artists. And just like you said, when they come in, they feel comfortable. They're having a good time. They want to, to be honest. And, and honesty is the key to a good podcast, I think. I love the fact that you say you like reading a book. Because you know what else podcasts allow that listening live on the radio doesn't? And that's pausing it and coming back whenever you want. Just like a book, I don't read a whole book in a single. I don't sit down and read a whole book. But if I want to read a book for as long as I want, I can. With a podcast, you do the same thing. I, you know how many? I have so many podcasts saved and stopped at certain points that I just go back to just like I do a book. So I love that analogy. I've never thought of it quite like that. But the same way, like I had on uh, Barry Dean, who's a writer who wrote with Ingram Michaelson and did all these big country songs. And we talked for an hour and 15 minutes, and it was probably a bit too long for one setting. But if someone listened to 20 minutes of it and came back later, that's cool by me. I'm just putting everything out there, and if you want to hear it, great. And if you want to hear some of it, great. Or you want to hear all of it, that's awesome. 
But I think my goal is just to get out as much content as possible. I've uh, launched 26 podcasts since I got here in San Francisco in this market. And all of uh, all of my jocks, I tell them the same thing. You, you want to do it because this is a muscle that you should be stretching. You don't get to stretch on the air anymore. And that in this format, on the radio, they want you to stay stay on the center lane. Don't take the offshoots. You know, stick to the, stick to the program. And with, with podcasting, you know, it's the opposite. I'm always encouraging my talent. Get off, get off on the exit. Take the next exit, you know, you know to, to get back on. And I think that the, the time helps out with that a lot. Do you find that a lot of your best material comes from those exits that you didn't plan to take on, on during an interview? Yeah, I think a couple of things. And, and, and you brought up another great point, too, in that with a podcast, there isn't a formula that you have to follow. Like in radio... I or whomever is doing some big show, we get credited with being so crazy and out of the box. We're still following a formula on the radio. We're still following a formula. We get out at certain times to go to break. We have this much time to talk. We have to get our, you know, if people were starting podcasts today, and I have a whole network that we've launched a bunch of shows, I actually like it if they don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I don't want them to have a formula of what things should sound like. You know, much like my radio show when I started it, and still to this day, like nobody on my show ever worked in radio. So they didn't have radio brain. So they didn't come in already thinking they, well, radio should be done this way. And that's why I hired the people that I hired. They were my friends already, and they didn't have radio brain. And you're starting to see some people now have podcast brain. And I tell them, whoa, 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 you have all of the space to do whatever you want. Try not to make your podcast sound like anything else. And so when I work with like a Christian Bush who, from Sugarland who's doing a podcast on my network or a Jake Owen who's an artist or I have a girl who's doing uh, you know, fashion stuff, I, I don't want them to sound like other podcasts. Or if they say, what podcast should I listen to? You know, you almost don't want to have them listen to podcasts that are similar in material because you don't want them following that same kind of step. So, yes, for me, it's a different muscle completely, and I love it because of that. But it also, when people start saying, I want to sound like this podcast, it's like you don't have to. There are no rules. It's not like radio in that way. When you talk about building, you know, the team around you not not coming from radio and and, and not having folks listen to to podcasts, it, it just it, it it makes me think about how this is still the wild west. And and there's I, and I tell people all the time that we've only scratched maybe the the not even the surface of like what kind of podcast that people can do. Now with the Nashville Podcast Network, I, I know a lot of the plan is to is to bring podcasts to 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 the people, you know, to make it you know not this you know, ethereal world of NPR guys, uh, you know, uh, doing podcasts. How, how important do you think that is as far as uh, reaching new audiences? And do you think radio has an opportunity to really do that? I think I'm lucky because I have a huge platform to promote a, a different platform. And I've been able to do that with, you know, my stand-up or with music or, or whatever else. And now I've found that I can use it to promote podcasting, which is similar. Well, so, but you know, so is stand-up comedy. So it is a similar thing, but most people, most people aren't habitually podcasting. And so, especially that listen to my format. And so I can say, Hey, listen, it's that easy. Like it's for free. All you have to do is subscribe and I have a whole new audience. And that's why we developed the Nashville podcast network is because I saw just kind of a need for content and people being hungry for this content that I didn't think was going to reach a, a wide audience, and it did. And I started to go, wow, people will listen to songwriters. What about if a songwriter did a podcast? What if 
you know, so, uh, it just feels like, like you said, a very stuffy room right now where everyone is too cool for school that's doing one because all the big ones are, you know, they're, they're cool. You know, they're very, uh, you got to be hip to even understand the technology, which really isn't the case. We know that because we're inside of it, but it's teaching the audience that it's just one, two, and you have all this content on your phone. You're probably listening to a, the radio show on your phone anyway. So it's just as easy and it's on demand. I want to go back to, um, you know, you've launched a network. You, you do a lot of stuff. You're, you're an author. I, I just watched your TED Talk, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciated that because uh, I always tell this story. I, I teach at university, and I tell students this story that the first time I was on the air, and, and, the, and the TED Talk is, is, is all about winning by losing, and if you haven't, please go watch it. My first day on the air, I was 16 years old at a small AM station in West Virginia, and I had to put a needle on an album that played The Sounds of Sinatra at 6 a.m., and on an, uh, on Sunday mornings, and I had to do the weather. And the first day I was on the air, the the, the guy that owned the station was in the studio with me, and or he was in the other room. And I put the needle on; it scratched, and I yelled "shit" into the mic three times. <laughs> and he comes in, and he turns the mic off, and he picks up the needle, and he puts it on the thing, and he just looked at me, and he said, "You're never going to do that again, are you?" I said, "Nope." And he walked out, and that was that. That's funny, man. And it was that just that funny. idea of like, hey. You're gonna you're gonna screw up. You're gonna yell shit into the mic three times. Um, so, you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that when they hear somebody and they see you, you know, look at Bobby's doing all these things. That that didn't just happen overnight. You know that 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 takes uh, a lot of of mistakes to get to the point where you're at. That's funny, man. First of all, that's a hilarious story, and I and I can relate like so hard. Yeah, you know, for me, there was a guy who wrote an article like three months ago. It was like, yeah, Bobby Bones, he doesn't know the difference between being born on third base and hitting a triple. He was born on third base. And I was like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I had, listen, yeah, I was 17. I had no connections in radio. I begged for a job in Hot Springs, freaking Arkansas. And I was hired to clean the lobby. Clean the lobby, that turned into people getting fired. I got to do weekend nights. As I was going to school full time, I started doing nights. As I'm working two jobs and going to school, Move to learn. every single job I've had has been a small move to the other. I started my syndication company with my own money, and I was making fifty grand a year, and was probably putting twenty-two of it back into using this technology at the time that wasn't being used in that capacity, which was Comrex. And someone had the balls and the nerve to tell me I was born on third base. But then, as usual, I try to always look at it from a different. Like Charlemagne the God is one of my best friends, and he's always like, "Hey." Before you get angry at somebody's perspective, try to put yourself in their shoes. And so I, I did that. And I started to see that when someone assigns you some sort of success that was given to you, it means, one, you're actually successful. Because I think our natural instinct is to be a hater on anybody. I mean, we just want to hate on people that we think don't deserve to be there, regardless if they've done the work or not. So natural human instinct, I'm the same way, you're the same way, regardless if it actually comes to fruition – we all have hater instinct in us, and we're like, oh, I should be there and not them. So first of all, I have to realize that that's coming from that direction. And then second of all, I can see very much so how it looks like I was just planted in Nashville and I have 100 affiliates. That's not the case, but we've been very vocal about the successes of the show. I mean, I started, I think I had 30 affiliates when we started, and that was pretty much what I had at Pop whenever I switched over. But again, all the failures, we didn't yell the failures. We didn't scream, hey, look at 
all these stations that dropped the show or the places that we've had ratings trouble or look at, we said, hey, look at all the successes. And that was one of my TED Talks about too is like everybody that's super successful has failed so many more times than you would ever know because the successes are what everyone sees. They're the, ones, they're the things that have screamed. So, you know, he said that, and I was very irritated about the article until I took my friend's advice and was like, look at it from his perspective. And so I do that now, and that one instance of, yeah, I remember it, like vividly, of being so irritated by it. But I've also grown as a person because of it, and I failed a lot. I got to find a million dollars by the FCC, so, mm-hmm. and the company kept me. And, you know, and that wasn't mentioned. There's a, it was the most difficult 18 months when I moved to Nashville. We sucked. The show did not fit. The format did not embrace us. The artists were scared of us. The listeners didn't want any part of it because we were replacing local morning shows in 25 cities. Like, it was miserable for 18 months. And for us to shift an audience, even give us a chance, I don't know many people that could have taken that beating unless they were used to taking beatings. And I'm used to taking beatings. (laughs) Well, you know, to to like circle back around, one of this is why I was so nervous to interview you is because we have very similar backgrounds. I started same thing, small market. I walked in and said, "Hey, I'll I'll clean the floors, whatever you want, I'll do that." And then they they ended up letting me run a board. And then somebody got sick, and then I became a DJ. Same thing. Put my way through college, uh, working on the air. Except for your first contract was a little more than mine. I was making fourteen grand a year when I started doing well, full time. Too- to to be fair, I was uh, I didn't have a contract until I was in my till I was like twenty. Well, not contract yet. One or twenty two. Okay. Yeah. So I I think we both probably worked minimum wage for a long time before we got any sort of documentation yeah. that we existed on the radio. That's right. And you know, just that whole idea of of working uh, from market to market to market. And one thing I read about you that I didn't know other people did was I used to pay all my bills way ahead of time because I was, I'm still like this. I still think this is my last job and I'm not going to have any money and I'm going to be poor again. Does that still run through your head at all? I know I read in Forbes that, that you did that. You paid all your bills ahead of time too. Oh yeah. I just don't expect this to last much longer ever. And so <laughs> What's wrong with us? I, feel, I know. Well, listen, you can't, it's like, there's a difference in a poor person with money and a rich person. And I feel like regardless of if I have no money or have money, I'll be a poor person either with money or without. And it's just how we're wired. Like, I grew up, and, you know, I'm pretty good at being poor because that's what I had to do forever. I'm, I'm a good survivor, and I, I've survived everywhere I've been. I haven't th- – I don't thrive till way later. I've survived everywhere I've been. I wish that it was just easy. Just one thing. I wish one thing in my life would be easy. But – I take on tasks that are often bigger than me, so I survive through the early part, and then right about the time when it starts to get good, I go, hmm, what if I can try this? And so I kind of set myself up for, for all of this punishment, but, yeah, that's how we're wired. We're the, we're the same. You grow up away, you can change. You can take me out of Arkansas, but you can't take the Arkansas out of me. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's just how it is. You know, I, I, you said that, you know, you wish that, you know, you could have things easier, but I, I don't think so. And, and my wife pointed that out to me the other day because I was I was just I was I was just saying how I wish I could enjoy downtime. And I'm really just not good with it. I, I, I always feel like I'm not doing enough, that there's something I should be doing instead of watching Gold Rush on, on Discovery Channel. So, I mean, do, do you think you really would like it if it was easier or do you, do you thrive off of this? 
Well, I would uh, at this point, I would like for something to be easy. I would like to get so. Do you know how many freaking TV pilots that have been greenlit that haven't been picked up that I've done? I mean, pro- on a major level, four or five. More studios have spent major money on a pilot, and either it hasn't been picked up, or it gets picked up and something falls through, or the leadership changes at, at the network. Like at this, especially with TV, like that has been the the biggest thing to conquer for me is because I've had networks commit for a year at a time and on big projects and something has happened every single time. I think I'm over five on pilots. I've done one for three of the major four networks and then one for CMT, two for CMT and something's happened every time. So eventually you have to look at, well, what's the common denominator? It's me. So how can I change what is sucking in all of these? So, yeah, uh, I would like for something, but again, I guess I'm the one that's affecting it all because I, I, I can't get it to work. I like for one of those to work. That's my point. Just one of them. <laughs> just one of them to work. Uh, so, I, I guess if it came too easy, I'd probably go. Well, is this really even worth it? There's probably that backhand mentality of if it came easy. It's like Groucho Marx used to say, "I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me." Yeah. So I wonder if it came easy, if I would go like, wait, that was too easy. Is this even worth being here, or is this for real? So maybe it's some sick, twisted, you know, we need to be punished mentality that we must have. But I would like to get one of these stupid TV shows to work. And in 2018, mark my word, I got two right now that are in the works. Two. And if they both fail, I'm done. I'm out. No more TV. I quit. Well, that's how I feel about 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 this podcast right now. We're we're about six, seven episodes in, and I'm just sitting here going, "God, when is this going to catch on?" You know, what? what oh, what, it's never going to happen. It takes forever. It, uh, it took me fifty-five episodes of the Bobbycast. I mean, for I don't even consider a podcast real in my mind unless it has a hundred episodes. Now, what sucks about my podcast is they're an hour long, so that's a lot of material. Because a podcast to me is about commitment to consistency. But it's not just about doing dynamic shows every single time. Like, you need to tell people what they're going to get and when they're going to get it and then do it. And that's been my story for every single thing I've ever done, but especially in podcasting. Everybody does three podcasts or four podcasts and flares out. That's every, that's pretty much everyone. Yeah. Everybody had one. We've done one here. Very inconsistent. But to do something consistent is the hardest thing. To show up on time all the time is the one thing that successful people always have in common. So I treat my podcast the same way. It's be consistent. And so we're at around 100 right now. We're, we're getting close to 100. And so we're about to be a real thing. In my mind, when we hit 100, that's a real podcast. But until podcast 55, 57, and we're, you're talking about this, over 50 hours of content, it, 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 nobody was really listening. Nobody cared that much. But once they did and it started organically being shared, it was like, boom. But it took a long time, a lot of patience, and just showing up, doing it over and over again. Well, I think that anybody that's going to be on your podcast network should listen to that uh, and know that they've got somebody supporting them. Because in our business, it feels like hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up with a lot of stuff. So I think you know I, that's good and refreshing to hear because it doesn't work like that in podcasting, just like you said. It doesn't work like that really in anything. And then when you do see it, you go, oh, well, they had it easy. But then you realize there were about seven other layers before that. I mean, it's just all smoke and mirrors. Even with, again, someone looking at my radio show, going, wow, look at this guy. He was get- I, I wasn't given anything, man. I had to build my own syndication company with my own money and then go, I would like to 
sell all of it and risk everything to change formats. And if you just look at it from afar, you go, oh, this guy was given everything. You weren't given anything. I wasn't given anything. But again, then I have to go and look at myself and go, who do I do that to? Because I know for sure if people are doing that to me, I'm looking at somebody else going, no, they were just given that. So it makes me look at myself in the mirror and go, stop doing that, you big douche. And so it's been a, a big reflector for me to be able to go, don't be a douchebag to people like they're being a douchebag to you. And so it, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's awesome. It's, I tell the people that are coming on the network, do not expect for 10,000, 70,000, or 1 million people to hear this for the first 20 hours that you put into it because you're just laying the foundation right now. And you're not going to be good at it at first either. You're actually going to be quite bad. And if you can't do 10 shows and go back and listen to a show 10 shows ago and go, man, I wasn't good, then you're not getting better fast enough. You should be able to be embarrassed of what you did 10 shows ago because you've moved so far ahead. Well, I'm going to play this for uh, all, all my talent here who I'm, I'm starting a podcast with because we're getting a lot of that. Uh, oh, I've done 20. I'm not, you know, they, they it, it stops being every week. And then, you know, it's it's just uh, keeping people consistent. It's it's really hard. It's uh, it's I, a lot of people don't want to do it. You know, they don't want to do it and they won't do it eventually. But again, I have a show that 5 million people listen to a week. And now I, did, I had done over 50 and nobody was listening. So that's the nature of the podcast. Like you're, you're growing them one at a time. You're growing these people that listen one at a time. And, but the, the awesomeness is if they're listening to your podcast, they are passionate about what they're listening to. So if you can get them, you have them. Just continue to feed them. It's like a, a, a stray puppy. People are like, I'm a stray puppy. I wander around looking for food somebody to feed me. And when I find that door that's open where they're giving me food, I go back to that door because they just fed me. And we're all stray puppies looking for something to entertain us in this content-driven world where there are a thousand different things coming at us from all different directions. We're all stray puppies. Just feed the stray puppy because they're out there walking around. you got to find them and keep feeding them. All right, Stray Puppy, before uh, we get out of here, I wanted to – I do a very radio segment at the end here called Three Killer Questions. I'm going to ask you three questions, and I want to see what your response is. And the first one, Bobby Bones, is – uh, if there's anyone in history, living dead, that you could hear do a podcast, who would you like to hear? Anyone in history do a podcast? Do I, I get to pick the subject? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. This is all you. You're the producer. Whatever I you want. Far more difficult than, than it probably should be. I could just give an answer, I guess. That's okay. Um, you know, I man, when I look at, like, I would love to hear Andy Kaufman. Mm really talk as a human being and not as one of the characters that he may or may not have been playing. Like I would love to hear a Andy Kaufman talks as Andy Kaufman podcast. And he tells me about all of the, I, everything behind all of the bits that he did, all of this ideas and the stunts. And that's what I would, Andy Kaufman to me is one of the more revolutionary comedic figures because man, he would take a joke and just beat it to death where it wasn't funny and then keep beating it till it became funny again. And to be able to sit in that spot right where it's like, oh, people don't like it and just sit and know that they're going to come back around or they're not, that to me is vulnerable and brilliant. And that's what I would want. Did you watch the Jim Carrey documentary? It's on Netflix right now about doing Man on the Moon. Uh, yes, I watched it, loved it. I mean, I, 
I just feel like those are kindred spirits, man, oh for God. me. Like, I'm nuts, too. I just watched it Saturday, and I meant to watch, like, I was going to watch a little bit of it and then go to bed, and I stayed up till 1 in the morning. It was so yeah. fascinating. Such a such a good watch. It's called Jim and Andy, and I'm going to tell you, if I worked in that Man on the Moon set with Jim Taylor and all that crap, I'd have went nuts, too. Like, I'd have been so pissed at him. But, I mean, like, I get I, – I don't understand why he's like he is, but I get – feeling different than everybody. And that's when I watched it. The documentary's fascinating anyway, because I love Andy Kaufman, and I love Man on the Moon, and I like Jim Carrey because of he just lowers his head and goes into things. And so I admire anyone that can do that. But the documentary's fantastic. And I watched another one on Hulu that was called Too Funny to Fail with Dana Carvey. Oh. And uh, where it was, it's about that show and how Steve Carell was on it and Stephen Colbert was on it. And you know, this show had everybody that was, ended up being fantastic, but it bombed. And it's a, that's a really great documentary, too, if you love comedy. Man, we're, we are in the glory days of, of, of network content as far as with Netflix and Hulu. But just real quick on a side note with that Jim Carrey, you know, he did that, you know, working in radio. We all got that clip when he was being uh, at Fashion Week and, and he was saying, oh, none of this is real. And, and people were like, oh, Jim Carrey's gone crazy. Well, having watched that documentary, I'm like, no, no, he's right. None of this is real. And and I really I feel like I understand Jim Carrey a lot more from watching that documentary. Yeah, is he so right that he's crazy? That's the question. Like is because we found that the craziest people throughout history were the ones that were were right a lot of times. I mean, just think about I mean Galileo. I mean, we can go to someone who's just we go, "Oh, yes, of course, well, a, a great astronomer who this dude was told he was absolutely nuts." And so throughout times it's taken the people with the really crazy ideas to – what was it Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs would say? It, it takes someone just crazy and not, so crazy to think they can change the world to actually change the world. Yeah. And so Jim Carrey's nuts, but th- those are the people that actually end up making things happen, the people who are so nuts that they believe in themselves. So, yeah, now we're on a whole different thing yeah. that we could spend an hour on, but yes. <laughs> Uh, question number two: What was the one piece of technology, you know, in your life that you you got and realized this is going to change my life? I mean, the easy answer is radio, but I'm going to not say radio. I'm going to say uh, probably whenever my whenever I could take my radio show and put it over the internet. And so I guess it would be whenever because we started streaming our show and making it a priority. Before it was fashionable, only because, not because I was some soothsayer, but only because I was young and in radio, and that gave me a huge advantage because I was actually living the life of other 23-year-olds, and I wasn't 50 having to adapt, which I always hope that I'm not, because, I mean, now I'm in my 30s, and I'm hoping I'm not having to adapt to something, and it, it, it's not quite fitting, and, I, I, you know, you don't want to lose your, your feet into the ground. But I would say the media player was a huge deal to me, because people could hear my show on the internet, and we made it a huge priority in like 2004, whenever in 2005, whenever it really wasn't shows weren't doing that. So I'm going to say the media player. What was the last podcast you binged? Um, that I, I so I don't I won't binge a podcast. I, I will listen to them episodically. That's even a word because I have some that I like. Um, I like the, uh, the the NPR where they tell you how things came about. I just listened to the one on South, with Southwest Airlines oh, yeah. where they tell you how, how things are created. I listened to the one um, where they talked about Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks 
so that's a good one. I know NPR is like a big rival of ours, I guess, but whatever. Not really. Um, but yeah, so that's probably the one that when people will go, hey, what podcast should I listen to? That's one I send them to because you don't have to listen to all of them. You can scroll them and you don't have to feel like you have to binge. You can find something that interests you. Just like my Bobby cast, like you can find a writer, an artist that interests you and listen to it. And you don't have to listen to the next episode or one seven away. You can just find someone else that interests you. And so um, how that that's probably the one that I listen to latest. Um, I listen I listen to Ricky Gervais, his um, Ricky Gervais's uh, Deadly Serious or whatever on on Serious because I love Ricky Gervais. Like yeah. Ricky Gervais, Adam Carolla, and Chris Rock to me are the funniest living individuals. And so I listen to that one. And again, I have all the technology, and sometimes the company gets mad at me for talking about other things, but then I'm just ignorant if I'm not talking about other things. Like I, I, those are probably the two I listen to last. And this is a bonus question that I asked that is a stupid question, but if you were a sandwich personified, not, not your favorite sandwich, but if there was a Bobby Bones sandwich that, that, that encompassed you, what would it be? It would probably be a, a friggin' white bread bologna sandwich with just mustard because there's not a lot to it, but they are very effective. And that, I think that there's not a lot to, to me. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the funniest. I'm not the anythingest. But just give me a bit of time, and I'll make it work. And so I'm a freaking bologna sandwich. Hardworking. I'll fill you up. Not a lot of fanciness to it. And I'm going to show up every day. So probably a bologna sandwich. That's great. Bobby, uh, this is great. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me, and uh, good luck with everyone. And uh, you know, you're you're doing you're doing God's work, my friend. <laughs> All right, for those of you who are listening to the podcast for the first time, this is the part of the show where my producer Z, hi Z, hello, comes in, and we talk about some podcasts that you should be listening to, and and Z goes out and finds them and and, and tells me about them. Uh, but first, I have to ask you, do, do you think, uh, you know, I, I listened back to that interview. I'll just you know, put the cards on the table. We listen to, you know, we do the we do the interview and then we do this part a little bit later on. Uh, I loved that interview with Bobby. Yeah, I feel like he just had so much good advice and he's such an open book and so willing to say anything or everything. He doesn't feel like he needs to hold back. And I thought that makes for a good interview. I'm always nervous when there's somebody I want to tell, like, like, I feel like I'm just like, you and I have so much in yeah. common. And I just, it's just like, and I listen back and I'm like, oh God, I'm kind of gushy and stuff. But um, I didn't touch it, people. It's all there for <laughs> you. So I hope you all liked it. Today we're going to talk about some podcasts based on radio shows. So Bobby was saying that, you know, and, and this is a the big thing that I believe that if you're doing a radio show and you're just doing a radio show, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should be doing a podcast yeah. as well. And these are podcasts that uh, come out of radio shows. Right. So, who do you have for us? Well, the first one is out of the Nashville Podcast Network, which is Bobby's network. And it is Whiskey Riff Raff. And it's just two guys named Steve and Wes. And they just are super unfiltered, uncensored about different topics about country music and what it's like living in Nashville. And it's not something I can necessarily relate to because I don't live there, but just listening to them is and the topics they range cover everything else, and they're just funny guys. All right, let's check it out. There's a, a kid in Ohio at Ohio State that's using my photos to act like me under, under the name Jack. I'm Bumble. And then he, 
and this girl was like hey that's whiskey riff type of stuff and he's like oh i'm not sure what it is it's just my brother's hat i borrowed and she's like no that's not you and then she sent me like the t- conversation and reported him and i was like tell her t- tell him i got the fbi on it just to freak him out you should post it just really it's really bizarre whiskey riffraff mm, i like the name too it could be the name of uh, my family reunions in west virginia <laughs> Actually, we prefer blue sniffing hillbillies. Oh, yeah, ooh. yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's my people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you don't want to know anything about blue sniffing hillbillies. I'll take they your word are, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, holler, folks. All right, so I know the next two. If you're a Bobby fan, you probably don't know about these shows, and these might not even be something that you would listen to. But uh, I think it's I listen to. Everything. So right. I, I like to hear about shows from all kinds of genres. So let's start with the first one. So the first one is Elvis Duran presents the 15-minute morning show. And Elvis Duran is obviously a legend. And I love listening to his on-demand podcast after on his show. But this was one that I found, and it's everything they don't get to on the radio show that they put into a podcast. And the team is just so funny. Like, you know that they get along, and they all have good banter, and they're really witty and quick. And I just like listen to them. And it's short, so it's just like a quick 15 minutes. It's always 15 minutes, and it's easy. All right, let's check it out. But it's true. I, I, I thought I, I, I thought I had expensive stools. I guess I didn't. Well, that, I don't want to hear about your stools. But uh, <laughs> uh, are, are they made by Nerf? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Get this. The chair is made of the Nerf material. Elvis Duran. I, I, wish, that I, I, I wish I had about a hundredth of the clout he has in, in, in this company of iHeartRadio. Yeah, he's, he's Everybody great. loves him. Oh, my <laughs> God. True. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> you just wanted to be Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. I don't even want that. I would just like <laughs> it to be like, hey, Maddie. Like that. I'd <laughs> be fine a little, with a whisper. Just, a, just a whisper would be great. Hey, soon, soon. It'll happen. All right. And our last one is actually from iHeartMedia San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And it is with Big Vaughn from KML. He has a podcast called The Vontourage, and he describes it as your daily dose of dumb shit. Yeah. It's just, I wish people could be in the studio when he's recording it, because I've been in there a few times, and we'll just be talking about something. He'll be like, hey, let's put it on the podcast. And the topics, I mean, they can get... Yeah, this is, this is not for the faint of heart. No, if it's you're NS, it is not FW. It's not safe for work. I th- the intro says it. Not safe for yeah. work or anywhere somebody else might listen. Um, so hopefully you picked out a clip that's not so so bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I tried my best. <laughs> There you have it. A world premiere you only get right here on the Vontourage. The brand new These Hoes by the Cast Me Outside Girl. Trash. But nowadays, I can't just really say that because next thing you know, you motherfucker. It'd be so stupid that people just start singing it. And next thing you know, y'all done made her a millionaire. Now, full disclosure, when I got to iHeart uh, Radio San Francisco, I met Big Vaughn and I immediately said, you have to do a podcast. And he was the first podcast I launched when I got here. He's a walking podcast. Yeah. He, he always is. has something interesting to yeah. say. They, I mean, he is, yeah, he is just a, a podcast. I hope uh, I hope people check that out. It's it's definitely one of my favorite uh, podcasts. All right, Z, good job. Thank you. And welcome. If you're a new listener, we really appreciate you coming in and uh, checking out the show. Go back and listen to some past episodes. We had uh, Phoebe Judge on from Criminal, which is she, that's one of my favorites. Um, the first episode with Seth Lynn from This American Life, uh, the folks from Mission to Zix, now, that's a good one. 
There's all kinds of them. There fantasy was. footballers. Al Madrigal. Al Madrigal. Coming up in the new year, we'll have a new season featuring comedian Felipe Esparza. Esparza. Yeah. I did an interview Rolled with him, and we went on for an hour, and then we we stopped, and then we started talking again, and we got another 20 minutes. So I might have to split that one up, but yeah. uh, I had a great uh, time with him. But if you like more about the show, you can check us out on Facebook at Access Podcast and on Twitter at Access Podcast One. We need some followers. Get on there and follow us. Also, if you're listening to us on iTunes, do me a favor. Stop. Leave us a review. It helps us out. You can find me at Maddie Stout, M-A-T-T-Y-S-T-A-U-D-T. Access Podcast is produced in San Francisco. Our producer and editor is... Zayanya Dialvis. Or Z, because I can't pronounce her name. <laughs> Engineers are Red, Horace Wong and David Williams. Music composed by Casey Franco. Special thanks to the podcast overlord at iHeartRadio, Chris Peterson, uh, and Katie Wilcox and Don Parker at iHeartMedia San Francisco. Go to the iHeartRadio app, take a look at podcasts, find something new, and share it with your friends. Thanks. <laughs>